1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to go to verse 13. And I have a very simple thought that I want to preach to you this morning. I uh, probably will not preach very long. Those are legendary last words, uh, usually. <laughs> 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 13. It says, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Principle that every believer should learn and bury deep in their heart for times when life gets to be a little bit too much. How many of us can say life can get to be a little bit too much sometimes? Can be a little bit extra, can be a little bit heavy, can be a trial, can be a tribulation, can be a struggle, can be a season of drought, can be a season of famine, can be, well, just life. And if anyone ever told you that life as a Christian, life as a follower of God was going to be uh, nothing but sunshine and roses and happy days, they lied to you. And I have no problem with saying that they lied to you. And if you ever got that impression from my preaching ever, then uh, I'm on accident lied to you. I didn't intend to lie to you because I want you to understand you can go through life with a lot of suffering and struggle and pain and still be right with God. It doesn't mean that there are not blessings with God. It does not mean that God is not on your side. It doesn't mean that you don't have favor with God. It's just that life can be hard. Do not fear. That's what I want to preach under that title this morning, Do Not Fear. It's the most frequent command in Scripture. Did you know that? It's the most often given command in Scripture. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Comes in a lot of different ways. Do not fear. The most frequent command the Lord gives us in Scripture. It's a simple statement. Contains lessons in spiritual matters that reach to all generations. It's effective in any period of time. There is more than what appears on the surface that is not enjoyed or even fully disclosed until the simple request that follows is heeded by the hearer. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake first. Do not fear, but put me first. It's a wonderful blessing, a tremendous blessing that cannot be measured, was given to the person who heard and who obeyed. 
The wonderful thing for us this morning is that this blessing can be gained by each of us again and again. It's not limited to any single person, but it's something that you and I can hold and have, a blessing, wonderful, tremendous, unmeasurable blessing that we can hang on to. Do not fear. Put him first. See, a deep depression had gripped the country A drought of three years, famine followed. The prophet Elijah had been sent by God during this famine to the brook Cherith, where he drank from the water of the brook. Ravens every morning would bring him bread and meat. Then in the evening again, ravens would come bringing bread and meat. And this continued throughout that season. We don't know exactly how long he was at that brook, but he was there and continued at that brook until eventually the brook did what all brooks do during a drought. It dried up. And so the Lord sent him to Zarephath. Not an easy journey for the prophet. Price had been put on Elijah's head and He was being sought. The widow he was going to meet, God had already prepared without her knowledge of him having made preparation. If you go and read the story, the Lord says to Elijah, he says, I've prepared a widow. But it must have been news to the widow. Because when Elijah found her, made his request. She had already devised plans of her own. Widow had collected everything that she had together. When it became clear that everyone was falling on tough times and that the drought would not let up and that the season was not going to change, every resource she had had been stored up, measured out, For her and her son's survival, now she and her son had come to the end of all of those resources. She was going to prepare a last meal. They were going to eat it, starve, and die. That's what she had planned on happening. But just about the time that she was going to make that last meal, here came Elijah. Here came the man of God, the prophet, to interrupt her world. She was going about her plans. She told him what she was going to do. I don't have any bread. He asked for a drink of water and said, bring me some bread if you have it. She said, I don't have any bread. Just have some flour and a little oil gathering some sticks, I'm going to prepare it. My son and I, we're going to eat and die. Elijah said, well, you go ahead and you do that. Go and do as you have said. First, make me a small cake. 
How was she supposed to do that? She is trying to heroically face her situation. All the resources diminished, the drought continuing, the famine on the land, people around her are starving, and now she has reached that place. Maybe she had been a little more resourceful than some other people, and she'd made preparation, but now those resources had dwindled. There was not anything left. She was facing a very dark, grim reality. To me, this is probably one of the darkest stories in Scripture. A dark season, a dark time. Everyone suffered under the same judgment. And here, this hungry man, weary man, long journey, having traveled to get to her. Ask her to give him a little cake first. Ask her for the last bit of what is rightfully, morally hers and her son's. What right did he have to make such a request? Certainly we know he asked in the name of the Lord. He says, as the Lord has said, be it unto you. She and her boy needed the food just as much, if not more, than he. And Elijah, for his part, didn't extend very much sympathy to her. He just said, do not fear. Make me a small cake first. This woman faced his request literally that required her blind obedience to see if what he offered would be true. If there would be something left after she had made him a little cake first. So she did what he asked her to do. She made him a little cake first. And what she did... It saved her life. What she did, it saved her child's life. What she did brought her a blessing. We don't know how much or we don't know how many. We just know that it never expired. The resource never dwindled any further. A blessing so awesome that there are no words given to explain it except that the flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry. Elijah could have asked her for some, some luxury. Bring me some meat. Bring me some venison. Bring me some lamb. Bring me some beef. Bring me something nice. Bring me filet some other thing that she did not have access to get, did not have, but he did not ask her for that. He asked for obedience from what she had. Simple, simple obedience, simple faith, simple response. You see, she could not say, I, I can't do that. Or I don't have the means. I don't have 
access to what you're asking. I don't know how to get more. I don't know how to get what you're asking me for. She could refuse if she wanted to. She could say, no, I'm going to make this one meal and my son and I are going to do what we've been planning to do. We're going to die. But his request was not overly burdensome. It was not outside of her limit. She was not going to have to go out of her way to make anything. She had everything to make that little cake. She could wrestle with her fear. She could have an ugly opinion of him for asking. She could lament over her misfortune. She could point to her child and say he's dying. She could simply say there's not enough. She could do all of that, but she could not say that she did not have the oil or the flour to grant his request. Make him a little cake first. It was possible for her to do what he was asking. It was possible. Please understand, no matter what you may think, God does not ask you to do what is not possible. He only asks you to do what you can do. He does not ask you for what you cannot do. He does not ask you to go outside of your own abilities. He asks you just to surrender to Him what you already have in the house, what you already have in your possession. See, many refuse the request of God based on their inability. I, I can't do it. I'm not able. It's too much. But it's just not so. God does not ask you to do what you cannot do. He may ask you for the last little bit. He may ask you for what you think is going to be the end of your resource. But he does not ask you to give him what you do not already possess. Jesus told of a man who was afraid and hid his master's talent in the ground. It happened in Matthew chapter 25 and he's judged because of what he did or did not do. He did not take action with what was trusted to him. He hid it. He buried it. He was worried the resource would go away. And so he hid it so that he'd have something to show when the master returned. Why? Because he was afraid. You see, fear will do a lot of things in your life. The worst thing it will do is it will put you at odds with God. It's in this realm that God asks for us to act. God does not make any unreasonable claim on anyone. God asks us to do something that we can do, not what we cannot do. And if he asks you for something, he asks you for something that you can supply and that he is able to give and replenish. It is inside this reality that God asks us to make decisions, to trust him, to trust him with something that we can offer, to have faith, to live in faith. It's inside that reality. That's where God works. It's not in the all reaching out way out there on a dream on a limb. It's right where you are, where you're at right now with what you have left. 
He asks us for a lot of things. Think about what God asks you for. He asks us to love him. You love a lot of things. You love your family, I hope. (laughs) You love friends. You love pets if you have them. You might even love some hobby. There might be some things you love that you shouldn't love. You have a lot of love to give. And so God asks for your love because you have it to give. He asks for your trust. You trust a lot of things. You trust your car to start. You get in it and turn the key. Everyone's always surprised when it doesn't start. Why? Because you trust it's going to start. You trust your health to the doctor. Every day, you trust others with your life. You're driving up and down I-85 or 400 or 285 or whatever road you're on. You're trusting a whole lot of people with your life. You're trusting they got something between their ears that's going to keep you alive because they're not stupid. It's a stretch sometimes. Oh, I'm going to meddle now. You go on vacation and get in an airplane, you're trusting that that pilot is going to get you there safely. Trust is something you have a lot of. So God asks you to trust him. God asks for your repentance. Repentance is something you have a lot of. How many of you have ever said, I'm sorry to someone because you knew you were wrong? Didn't, didn't run out. But God asked you for your repentance. Why? Because you can give it. God knows what you can and cannot do. Before he ever makes a request of you, he already knows what you could do. And his judgment is based on that alone. What you can do that he asks of you. That's what he's going to judge. God asked for a small part of what you have. God asked for a tithe, 10 cents out of a dollar. It's not what you don't have. It's out of what you already have. Because he doesn't put huge burdens on people. God asked for one day a week out of seven Just give me one day, a Sabbath. God asks for a small part because God knows what you can and cannot do. And he is a compassionate God. He is a merciful God. He is a faithful God. He is a God that seems like there's no way out. He makes a way of escape because he's that kind of God. There's always a solution with God. He can supply from the little that you already have because that's the kind of God, a living God that we have. And he only asks what we can do. And there's a lesson in this that every one of us should cling to and understand do not fear put me first that's what the Lord said he said put first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you do not fear make me a little cake first this woman has had her resources dwindled 
there were better days behind her. That she could have looked back and thought, why did you have to arrive right now? Think about the timing of that. He arrives just at dinner time, right when it's time to make that meal, the very last meal. Better days behind her. She might have thought there were things she could have done then. If you'd just been here a week ago, if you'd just been here a month ago, if you'd have got here when this all started, but that's the way it is. Sometimes you feel like there's nothing left to offer. You feel like there's nothing left. Some of us will sit and will say, well, I'm too old now to offer anything. I've got too little. Or if it had been yesterday or last week or last year or earlier in my life, or maybe if I were healthier, or maybe if I had more. But God never asks of the things from yesterday. He only asks of the things from today. It's about today. God is not asking for what you could do yesterday. He's not asking for what resources you had in the past. He's asking for right now. He's asking you what? What can you do today? You may not have much left to offer. But here's the great thing about God. You may not have much left, but if you start now, God gets involved today. God's involved in your right now. There are blessings that he will give for your tomorrow. You can look back over your history and say, well, you know, if I had done this then or I had done that then, you can look at all of that, but that's not where God's working. God's working right now. And there are blessings he can give you for your tomorrow based on what you choose to do today of what he's asking you to give. Because it's never too late to start. It's a lie of the enemy that it's too late that time has passed, that there's nothing can be done now. That's the lie of hell. It's never too late to start. The emphasis is on overcoming fear and doing for God first. That's the emphasis of the story. It's overcoming fear that every one of us has. It's natural to have fear. You should have some healthy fear because... You need that fear to recognize when you're in a dangerous place. Get too close to the cliff's edge, you could fall. Taking a selfie for Instagram. A lot of people have ignored healthy fear and wound up in danger. But there's a part of fear that wants to consume you wants to limit you, wants to hold you. You have to overcome fear. Do not fear. But the point is when an individual puts God first and the things of God first is an exercise of faith and God will reward. This was a crucial decision for this woman. Last bit of oil, last bit of flour, make that last meal and die. Should she hand over her future to this prophet, put it in his hands? Should she reject his request and go on about her day? 
Should she trust God? Should she do what's being asked? Yes, you can always put your trust in a living God. And it's easy to say that from the perspective of having plenty. But what about when it's that last meal and God asks, make first a little cake for me? She gave what was absolutely necessary to keep her and her son alive into the hands of the prophet but save them both because she trusted the word of the Lord. Put God first. Put God first. It may seem like you're sacrificing the resources that you've gathered up together. It may seem like you're down to your last thing. It may seem like this is a hopeless situation, but the real resource is not what's in the oil and it's not what's in the hen of flour, hen of oil and the the jar of flour. It's not in the resources that you and I think are so precious. The resource is God. That's the real resource. Fear will rob you of God's blessing. Let me tell you, I've never lived in such a time as so many people are dealing with fears. There are some natural things that we can look to and say, this is making me fearful. Yes, okay, I understand that. But don't let fear rob you of what God wants to do right now and today. Don't allow fear to grow in your life and become an unhealthy, sinful thing between you and God that you are held captive by everything that's going on around you. The call of Christianity is not to be captive to what's going on in the world. It's to rise above and trust God with anything and everything that we have that when he asks we say yes Lord yes Lord I trust you it's interesting to me that the first thing Elijah asked for if you go and read the story had to be the most precious commodity at the time and she was willing he said give me a cup of water we're in a drought She was willing. She said, okay, I'll be right back. And he said, well, I'm getting a cup of water. God did prepare the way. Bring me some bread. Well, I don't have any bread, but I've got some flour and I've got some oil. But I'm going now. I was collecting these sticks. You see me collecting these sticks. I was going to make this last meal and we're going to die. And he says, okay. You can do that, but first, make me a cake. He got to the resource that she valued. She was willing to give the water, but it was the oil and the flour, the meal, that tested her faith. Think about that in your own life for just a moment. Every one of us have some things that we're willing. God asks and we're willing. But God always moves to the place where we get uncomfortable. That's where he works. That's what he asks for. 
It's interesting if you go on and read 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to be ending soon. 1 Kings chapter 18 is the great face-off with all of the prophets of Baal and Elijah. Mount Carmel. It's going to be a great battle. We, we read this and we're like, yeah. God did it. Elijah, man, standing alone, God's man, facing the prophets of Baal, the whole country. God did it. Fire from heaven consuming that sacrifice. How many of you, you read that and you get jazzed up? I read it. I'll be honest. I read it. I'm like, yeah, come on. I'll be like Elijah. Give me 300 prophets. But I want to draw your attention to some things from this little story that I feel like has the same theme that runs from the story I just told you, 1 Kings chapter 17. Verse 33 says this, he put wood in the order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood, and said, fill four water pots with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. Now, I've always looked at this, and I've always read and thought, what a challenge to God. If you go and look at the story, the prophets of Baal and their sacrifice, Elijah gives them every optimum benefit. He gives them the daytime, the whole day, to make it happen. They're in the heat of the sun. If they'd have just had a magnifying glass in a drought with wood and a sacrifice on an altar, all you'd need to do is hold that up and get the sun on it, and it'd catch on fire. He gave them optimum opportunity. And then he did his sacrifice at night, in the evening. No help from the sun there. Builds the altar, puts a sacrifice on it, the wood on it. Then he soaks it with water. I read the story, I'm like, man, what an awesome God that we serve. He's going to light on fire this soaking wet sacrifice. And has anyone ever tried to light wet wood? It's terrible. It's not the best camping night when all you can find is wet wood. But I've always read that in one dimension. Challenge to God. God can make it happen even in challenging situations. A wet sacrifice can be caught on fire. But you know what he really did? He took the most precious resource that they had went without for three years and sacrificed it before God. That's what he did. He took water and filled four water pots. Water pots were big. He had them fill four of them, pour that over the sacrifice. One more time, let's do it again. Four of them. 
poured over the sacrifice. Another four over the sacrifice. The thing that they had been sacrificing and praying to their gods over that there would be rain, he took that same resource and put it on the sacrifice. Because the resource is not the water. The resource is the God of the water. The God of the rains, the God of the world, the God who encompasses all in all. That living God, that's the resource. Verse 38 tells us the fire fell. Fire of the Lord fell. Consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust that licked up the water in the trench God took every bit of the resource you see if you're going to see God do things like that you have to get to a place where Elijah was at you say it's not the resource it's not what little bit I have in my bank account it's not the little bit of things that I have in my home it's not just the little bit of oil and flour that's the resource. God is the resource. You say, well, I'm not like Elijah. I know you're not like Elijah. That's why I started out talking about a widow woman with a son. But they were looking to die. And you can overcome the fear of little in your life when you just trust God and you put the resource in His hand and give to him what he asks of you. God will come through. I mentioned in the beginning of this sermon that do not fear is repeated over and over in Scripture. It's the most often repeated com- command of God. But almost everywhere that you go and find that, and I challenge you, go look it up. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Fear not. All of these renderings, right behind it, is almost always a promise where God says, I'm with you. I'll make a way for you. I will answer. I will supply. I will do. I am God alone. I am with you. God is with you. And if you'll overcome your fear and trust God with everything that you have, God can and will bless you in an unmeasurable way, a way that words cannot even record what he can do. You'll stand with me. God, you see your people this morning. God, I'm preaching specifically to a people that have been gripped by fear. God, it's time for us to trust you with our today. Not looking in the past, not looking at what little we have, not looking at our limitations, but trusting you. And whatever you ask, Lord, we want to give it to you. We want to surrender to you. All that we have, everything that we are, we want you. We want the God of the resource. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus name I wonder if you'd take a moment as we do as a church family often gather at the front and let's pray and seek the Lord
feel like God was trying to talk to someone this morning. I don't know if they're here in the building. I don't know if they're at home watching, but talking to someone about the fear that you've been fighting in your life and how to overcome that fear. It's only in doing what the widow woman did where she she said, okay, I'm going to blindly trust God. I'm going to risk everything and I'm going to see what God can and will do. And it's in that season that you walk away and the next place that you're going to, the next story that's going to be written is a story about not worrying about what God is or is not going to do. It's just taking, putting the water on the altar, saying, here you go, God. You're the God of the resource. You're the God of everything. Take control. Lord, we thank you today. We worship you. We magnify you. God, I pray somebody's faith would be encouraged, would be lifted up. God, I pray that we walk out of here with boldness, Lord, to do exactly what you desire of us. God, maybe maybe it's surrendering our whole life to you and our love for you, our trust to you. Maybe it's just walking in faith. God, maybe it's actually doing something. There's something that you've been asking us to do, a resource that we feel like we don't have enough of and you're wanting to take control of that in our life and let us know that you are the God of the resource. God, I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Why don't you worship and praise and worship the Lord and pray and seek his face just a moment as she begins to sing. God, I thank you for every time, Lord, that my back has been against the wall. God, you taught me a lesson out of my knees when I surrendered to your voice and I trusted you. God, I thank you for those times, Lord.